I'll never forget those voices. I'll never forget officers saying, you know, they were pinned down, they were taking gunfire. And then you had the one officer saying, I'm shot in the head, you know, I'm shot in the hand, I need help, I need rescue. And I just remember thinking to myself and my heart just breaking for them, thinking these guys have no protection against this threat. Today's a really unique episode of the podcast. I interview my friend Jake, and Jake was part of two horrific active shooter situations in my own city that were surreal, and I knew people involved in both of these. And Jake walks us through uh, part of those horrific situations, um, being literally inside the buildings, the responsibilities he had to play as part of the SWAT team, and what God did through those scenarios, how God has brought some unlikely and pretty incredible things out of those terrible situations. So it probably goes without saying, not the best episode to have your kid listening along with you, and there's some sensitive material in here, but this is an incredible story. God has used this man and this team at Shield 616 to take two horrific stories and literally to bring hope to thousands of families. So this is a fascinating interview Uh, Pretty incredible what God has done, but it is hard and it is sobering. And so just want you to be prepared for that. And so as you listen to my conversation with Jake Skifstad of 616, you'll be reminded of some of these national media things um, that come to mind, some of the emotions maybe that you were feeling at that time. But don't miss the fact that God is at work in some pretty incredible ways. So enjoy my conversation with my friend, Jake Skifstad. Welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast, and I know I say this every week, but guys, you are in for a treat. My friend Jake Skifstad has a pretty incredible story, and he leads an organization called Shield 616, and today we're going to dig in uh, behind how they're helping law enforcement, and really they're helping to mobilize churches and organizations all over the country. So Jake, it's great to have you on the podcast today, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate what you guys are doing with this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, you um, just have a, an amazing story, honestly, and tracking along with that and just in in friendship and some of those crucial moments of the story. Let's dig right into it. So tell us about your family. Give us a little background there and about your years as a cop. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was with the Colorado Springs Police Department for just under 14 years. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky to be married to my wonderful wife, Jenna, and we got uh, three kiddos at home, a a 10 and eight and a six year old boy, girl, boy. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, when I was still with the police force and when I was part of our SRT unit, uh, I would joke to Jenna that, you know, I need to go to work to take a break from the kids. And, um, you know, they got a lot of energy. But I tell you what, you know, I'm blessed to have a wonderful family. Awesome. Now, um, your, you know, your years as a, as a cop, um, you went through some, some pretty crazy stuff Two that were televised nationally that, that people would have probably seen. Um, let's go ahead and dig into those. There's so many realities in that, but take us back to two of those terrible events that, that grab national, national media coverage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so obviously as a police officer, you know, it's, it's dangerous every day. It's hard every day, but, uh, you know, there, there's just sometimes when the evil just seems to be so extreme, the violence seems to be so extreme. 
And, you know, those are, you know, truly worst case scenarios. And um, obviously the two situations that you're talking about was uh, a true, legit uh, active shooter situation. And for the folks that are out there, most people understand the term active shooter. Uh, for those of those that don't know what that is, basically it's an individual or individuals where their only intent and goal is to kill and destroy strangers. They go to a location with no other intent. And so my story goes back to December of 2007 when part of the Colorado Springs Police Department, I was involved in the new life active shooter. And having to respond to that church that day, you know, obviously it affects everybody. You know, it affects all the officers. You see that come up on your, your laptop in the police car and it says active shooter. And you immediately go to worst case scenario. And so I'll never forget responding there that day and, uh, you know, being in that situation. And this was a very unique active shooter. Uh, what had actually happened is this shooter had done another active shooter the night prior up in the Denver area at a missions training facility, but he got away. And that next day he came down to New Life Church and uh, obviously went to that church and he actually waited to the uniformed police officers had just left. And, and thankfully they were there. There would have been a lot more casualties, but for the most part, a lot of the people had gotten out of the church, but but still, when he when he started, uh, he was able to kill multiple people. And, uh, you know, one of my jobs there that day, uh, you know, once the, the, the threat was deemed over, was to guard the suspect's body, the, the deceased suspect's body. And, you know, so I had a long time to, to, to just look at him and to see, you know, this young individual and to think, you know, how could somebody get to this point? Uh, but another thing I could get to look at was, you know, what did he choose to bring? What, what, what type of clothing? What was his weapon of choice? And all these other things, you know, that he, that he decided, hey, I want to bring this to go do this active shooter. And one of the things that every officer does on a, on a, on a very, you know, critical incident is they always play the what if game. What if I would have been the first officer here? What would have been my tactics? How would I have responded? What was I going up against? And for all of us there, you know, we always look at that weapon and the weapon he had was a rifle. And a lot of people don't realize when you see a, a police officer, and, when, and I'm, I'm not talking about SWAT, I call them the true first responders, the men and women in the police cars. Those are the, the folks that show up first. But when you see them in uniform, a lot of people don't realize that that vest, that soft vest they're wearing under their uniform is only designed to stop handgun calibers. And so when we have a situation like this, we're expected to protect our community, but when we go to do our job, we don't have protection to protect us while we're trying to do that. I remember you telling me that, yeah, Jake, and I was blown away uh, yep. because, see, we, we just have no idea yep. that we think, yeah, of course you guys have the right gear to be sent in there. And just being somewhere in between horrified for you know friends like you who are out there representing our cities, our communities, and literally can't even withstand the bullets of what an active shooter is bringing in there. So I had to stop you because I remember being so blown away. I had no idea, man. Yeah, exactly. And, and most people don't, you know, and so obviously, you know, if you were to fast forward and I'm not going to jump this far yet, but you know, that is the goal of shield 616 is to make sure that we're protecting our protectors against all threats. And so obviously still being there that day at the church, you know, that really affected me as a believer, you know, to be in a church where it should be a safe place for worship. 
um, to see broken glass, to see bullet holes in the walls, to see, you know, the deceased gunmen and also the innocent civilians, you know, that affected me as a believer, you know, and I just remember thinking, man, my goodness, here we are at a church. It should be a safe place for worship. And, and this just extreme evil is happening. But I remember going home that night and just talking with my wife saying, I need to go find something that's going to help me get home at the end of the night. And I need to go find something that's going to provide me protection against these rifle threats that law enforcement is dealing with more and more, more and more commonly. And so I went out, uh, pieced together a vest. It wasn't quite right. It was about all I could find on the market. And I actually found used rifle armor from a retiring army sergeant on Craigslist. And so I had actually bought his armor. I was hoping it was still good, but I didn't know what else to get, where else to get it. And it was still very expensive and I had to pay it, you know, out of my own pocket. And, but I got to have something, you know, like we talked earlier, you know, I got a wonderful wife and three young kiddos at home and, and by golly, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I get to go home to them. And so, and so I, I purchased that vest, you know, just for myself to be able to have it if that situation warranted it. And, uh, you know, Alan, I would, I would deploy that vest probably approximately three dozen times a year. And that doesn't mean there were three dozen active shooters in Colorado Springs, but the situation was bad enough or there was enough red flags or there was an obvious, hey, this guy or gal is extremely violent, armed and dangerous, where I'd put that vest on where I felt I need more protection, I need more gear. Uh, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I want to make sure that I'm going to be safe while I'm trying to do this. And so, um, you know, so fast forward, to um, Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, everybody saw what happened in Ferguson. Uh, they saw the violence and then they saw all this hostility being directed to law enforcement. And I tell you what, Alan, that affected law enforcement across the whole country. Law enforcement has always been hard. Law enforcement has always been dangerous, but it just seems like since then something got triggered and it's only made law enforcement that much harder and that much more dangerous. Uh, we were all seeing on national media where law enforcement was being portrayed as the bad guy. And, you know, it used to be where, hey, you know, you wanted your neighbors to know you were a police officer. You wanted them to know that, hey, you are a little bit extra safe because, you know, I am in this neighborhood. But it got to the point where, you know, now I don't want my neighbors to know I'm a cop. I don't want to have a police car parked outside my house. I don't know what they think of me. I don't know what they think of what I'm doing. And, and I tell you what, it has a mental effect on you. It makes you truly do ask, does my community really appreciate what I'm doing? Do they really back the blue? Am I even making a difference doing this job in this community? And that's, you know, a scary thing to be thinking. And so, you know, that was affecting me and that was bothering me. It bothered me that we were being, you know, all lumped into this, you know, you know, law enforcement is hostile. They use excessive force. They're all racist, whatever it is, um, you know, that bothered me and, and so, you know, I was just trying to think, you know, what can we do to do something different? You know, that's kind of, God was starting to kind of work on my heart. God was starting to kind of just kind of work on my mind of, you know, hey, we've got to start doing something. Now, if you fast forward to uh, July of 2014, um, you know, God just really started to lay on my heart, obviously, what is now the vision of Shield 616. But God really just started to just weigh so heavily on my heart um, that I was losing sleep. I couldn't sleep. And I knew God was trying to tell me something. 
God was wanting me to do something. And it had always been on my heart from the new life shooting in 2000, at the end of 2007 of we've got to find a way to better protect our police officers. This is a problem across the whole country. This just isn't a problem in Colorado Springs. It's not just a problem for small agencies. It is a problem across the whole country from your smallest agency of one officer all the way up to your biggest agencies of tens of thousands of officers. It's very expensive gear. It's very hard to come across. And it just, you have to replace it every five years. And it's something that does not get used very often. So it's very hard to justify spending a lot of money on something we actually hope never gets used. And so that had been in my heart. And in, in 2014, God started to reveal this vision. And I tell you what, you know, I've been a believer a really long time, but I, I tell you, when, when I truly started just praying very specific prayers of, Lord, whatever it is you're trying to tell me, Lord, just reveal it to me with absolute clarity. But, you know, at that same moment, you know, the devil and his schemes, you know, he tried to get in the way and, and giving me doubt. And, you know, Jake, what are you supposed to do? You're just one cop. How are you supposed to change this on a national level? You know, how are you supposed to impact all these police officers? And so I really started to struggle with, you know, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to be that big of a voice to all these officers across the country? And how am I supposed to impact their lives, not only with better gear, but for God's kingdom? How am I supposed to impact that when I'll probably never see or speak to them? And when God finally, you know, over the course of a month, finally hit me over the head and the light bulb turned on and God just said, Jake, I just want you to be the bridge between the local faith-based and their local law enforcement and to truly have a way to bless them and have an opportunity to love on them and pray for them, encourage them and truly show them the love of Christ. And that answered my two questions that answered, you know, Jake, Jake isn't supposed to do all this. I'm not supposed to provide literature or some kind of a Bible study. I'm just going to open that door for all these different communities. And so that's when the vision of Shield 616 was birthed. And the goal of Shield 616 is to rally our local communities. And it's to rally them around the law enforcement. And we asked them, would you be willing to help us fundraise for a piece of equipment that's very expensive? Would you be willing to be a blessing to a local officer? But what I think makes us so successful is we give those donors an opportunity to get to know the officer that is receiving their gift. And so we do what we call a vest presentation. And we line up all the gear in the room from all the donors. Uh, we invite all the officers and their families to come on in that are receiving them. But we also invite that donor and their family and their friends. And so for that donor, they get to walk in and they're immediately in awe of all this gear lined up in the front of the room. And they get to go see exactly where their money went. They get to see that active shooter kit with their name on the front of it. And, and then they also get to see the name of the officer that's receiving it. And they not only get to see where their money went, but at that ceremony, they get to meet that officer. They get to meet that family of that officer. And it's at that moment when they truly realize the significance of what they just did. And, and for them and that officer, the, the program is kind of just starting. The relationship is just starting. And, and, and Alan, I can't tell you how many times people have said, man, we came in as strangers, but it's, it's like we left with an instant bond. 
Uh, I can't tell you how many of them have gone out to eat immediately following their reception. And when we've been able to do a couple of them at the church, um, we've heard from some of the donors, the support teams say, my officer said, hey, I want to make this my church. I've been looking for a church and I just felt so loved. And what you did for me, I want to make this my church. And, you know, that's what it's about. You know, officers need this gear today, but more than that, they need Jesus today. And so, you know, that's our ultimate goal. And, and, and it makes for a lot more work on our end, but that is what our goal is. That is what our true intent is. And so we launched it in, in 2015, and the attorney we used said it was going to take about eight months for, for us to hear something. And that was going to put us in roughly February of 2016. And so I just said, well, okay, well, I guess I'll just have to wait then. And I had no sense of urgency, Alan. And I'm here to tell you, God doesn't have to wait on the IRS. And he made that very, very clear to me and started putting me in some extremely violent situations at work over the course of just a couple months. And looking back, obviously with clarity, it was God driving home that sense of urgency. And every single one of those, I left very frustrated, just thinking, man, these officers here could have been killed. This could have been their last call. And I left those being so frustrated because I was just thinking, not only the cops could have used this gear, but more than that, they need to know Jesus today. Because in the law enforcement world, that could be their last day. And so we have to have a sense of urgency in reaching out to these guys. Um, and so if you go to, to November uh, 2015, uh, we actually got our official approval back from the IRS. And so we got it, you know, roughly four months ahead of schedule. So we were pumped about it. And we were like, hey, let's just launch January 1st of 2016. It's going to give us a month to you know, get a website, brochures, business cards, all that stuff. But it was also going to, hey, we got Thanksgiving coming up. We have Christmas coming up. Let's get through the holidays and then we can focus on it. And again, I lost that sense of urgency. Well, that next week, um, went through Thanksgiving, had a great Thanksgiving, and part of my career now, um, I was part of our, our part of our uh, attached to our tactical unit, and my SWAT pager went off, and I actually laughed. And as I was walking over to it, I was telling my brother, "Man, the team's going to be mad. You know, it's a holiday, and on uh, Black Friday, 2015, it was actually snowing very heavily. It was actually very cold." And I was telling them, man, it, it's so miserable to go do a SWAT operation when it's cold out. You just stand out there and freeze. And, and so I'll never forget, though, when I picked up my phone to look at the page and I just froze and I reread it and I reread it and I reread it. And it said active shooter at Planned Parenthood with multiple officers down. And I just went, you got to be kidding me. And so I made the decision um, to respond. I didn't have anything at home, so I couldn't turn on my radio. I had to jump into my own car, drive to the police station like a maniac. And when I got there, uh, I fully expected the situation to be over with. So I get to the police station, I get all my gear uh, and and turn the radio on and and start flying down there. And and I wanted to turn my radio on, Alan. I wanted to hear what was happening. And I fully expected, again, the situation to be over with. If anybody does any kind of research on active shooters around the country, they typically don't last very long. And so this was now at least 20 minutes into this situation. So I was fully expecting it to be over with and just go down there and help out with whatever I could. Um, But I'll never forget when I turned on that radio, all I could hear was an officer yelling in the radio. And all you could hear was that full automatic gunfire hitting his squad car. 
I'll never forget those voices. I'll never forget officers saying, you know, they were pinned down, they were taking gunfire. And then you had the one officer saying, I'm shot in the head, you know, I'm shot in the hand, I need help, I need rescue. And I just remember thinking to myself and my heart just breaking for them, thinking these guys have no protection against this threat. They're coming up against a, what it sounds like a full automatic rifle. And these true first responders, and again, I'm not talking about SWAT, um, they have no protection against that. And so they're out there truly putting their lives on the line to try and keep the community safe against this threat. But as a member, as part of our SWAT team, I remember, you know, we've got the good guns, we've got the good armor, we've got, you know, the good training, the armored vehicles. And I just remember thinking, I've got to get down there right now because I got all this and they don't. And we got to make sure that all these brothers in blue go home. And, um, and so when I finally made it down there, um, the armored vehicles were just arriving. And so I hopped in one of those and we started doing rescues and started getting the civilians out, uh, the, the, the trapped officers out. We started getting uh, the wounded officers out, the wounded civilians. Um, we had to check on um, some of the deceased civilians. Uh, you know, we had to go confirm that, you know, the officer that was down, you know, Officer Swayze, um, you know, we went and, and confirmed, you know, he was beyond help. He was deceased, unfortunately. And, and then we just went into this crazy building of Planned Parenthood and, and basically had to go find the shooter, you know, and, you know, I wish I could go into detail about some of the things we did, but, you know, we're still under a gag order because of, of, of trial. But I tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you just a couple of things, Alan. I remember, you know, when I was in there, even as part of a SWAT team, I was absolutely terrified. Um, I'll never forget the sound of that full automatic gunfire. I'll never forget when those bullets started coming through the walls. I just remember thinking, what is he shooting? How can there be so much ammunition or bullets coming through these walls so quickly and so consistently? And, you know, I was terrified. But I remember very vividly having such a peace being in there. And there's no doubt in my mind that that was coming from above. The Lord was allowing me to focus on the job that I had to do in front of me. I remember praying for myself, for our safety, for the team. I remember praying for all the officers that had already been shot. I knew Garrett was killed. I remember praying for my wife and my kids. And, and I, but I just remember uh, when, I, when I prayed for myself and, and praying for my wife that, you know, if this was my last day, you know, for her to have the peace and, and, and to go on, you know, with life and for my kids to have that peace. And that's hard to pray for that, Alan, and just to even think about it and to be in that situation where that's, uh, you know, I truly thought that might happen. But I just remember thinking in my heart breaking for a lot of those guys that I was in there with. I just remember thinking, I can't imagine being in this situation where I have no hope, you know. But I also remember thinking for the, the loved ones, the spouses. Um, you see, what we do, Alan, is when we're in a, in, in a very violent call on the SWAT team, what we would typically do is send our wives just a very quick text. A lot of the times it made no sense. Sometimes it was just a bunch of letters, but they know that means, hey, something happened, but I'm safe. I'm fine. But for five hours on this one, on that Planned Parenthood active shooter, we were in a, heavily engaged in the situation and none of us could send out a text. And the media was reporting for hours that multiple officers were shot and one was killed. And so as you can imagine, every single one of these spouses thought it was their loved one that was killed and we hadn't texted yet, you know? And, and so that just drove home, just as you can imagine, just a very strong sense of urgency.
And, you know, so we went through this situation and um, the shooter thankfully gave up. And, but I remember, you know, we were less than two minutes away from implementing our plan to end it. Uh, we had finally found him. We knew what he was, where he was at and, and we were going to end it. Um, and we fully expected it to, to be a shooting. And, and I remember praying, I remember breathing, I remember focusing on our plan and the tactics and, and, you know, I'll never forget when he yelled, okay, you guys win, I give up. And when he came around that corner and it was me and him, and I was looking at him face to face, I remember looking at him thinking, here's the face of all this evil. Here's the faith of an individual whose only goal was to kill and destroy innocent strangers. And I just remember thinking, how could somebody become so evil? And so afterwards, uh, we were in the building in Planned Parenthood and visualized this. Uh, our whole SWAT team and our canine team, we were all hand in hand in a big circle praying uh, for the officers that had been shot. Uh, you know, we didn't know if they were still alive. Uh, we knew Garrett was deceased. We were praying for his family. We were praying for the civilians that were killed and their families, the, the ones that were wounded. And, and I just remember thinking, my gosh, how can this happen? How can the Lord, you know, let this happen? You know, what good can come from this. And, um, and I remember going home that night, uh, really late. And I remember crawling into bed and giving my wife a big hug and a kiss. And, uh, I was up all night long. I, I couldn't sleep. My ears were ringing from all the gunfire from the flashbangs. And, um, but I was just trying to process what we had just gone through, you know, and, and I was worried about still those officers who were still in surgery. And, um, the Lord spoke to me that night. And, and I tell you what, he spoke to me so clearly that I actually laughed out loud. And the Lord said, all he said was, Jake, what are you waiting for? And I laughed out loud and I looked back at a handful of those situations that were getting worse and worse. And I said, well, I don't want to go through that again. And so looking back uh, without doubt, you know, God put me in those situations to drive home that sense of urgency. Our law enforcement need that gear. They need that support. But like I said earlier, our law enforcement needs Jesus today. And so I contacted my board members the next day and I said, uh, guys, we can't wait to January 1st. Uh, we got to launch immediately today. And, um, you know, so we launched immediately and, and we started going to churches. We started talking to, to foundations, to businesses, to people we had connections with and just saying, Hey, would you be willing to come alongside your law enforcement? Would you help provide something that is so critically needed right now? Would you be willing to be part of that? But would you take it upon yourself to get to know, have a chance to get to know that officer and support him, encourage him and including the family and love on them. And, and so we've been doing that for the last three years. And um, one of the more powerful stories, two weeks after Planned Parenthood, um, I was down at, at the Sanctuary Church on West Colorado. And I had a few minutes to speak during the service. And then I was out in the lobby uh, with the gear talking to the congregation. Uh, this young gal comes up to me and she was obviously pregnant. And um, she goes, Jake, I just got to introduce myself to you. And and I'll never forget just looking into her eyes when she said, Jake, I was in Plant Parenthood on Black Friday. That was her day for the abortion. And so she was in there, you know, for that abortion when the gunman came in. Uh, she sheltered in place. Uh, we had two SWAT teams there. Uh, the other SWAT team had found her, uh, got her out, got her to safety. And she goes, Jake, I just want you to know I've decided to keep the baby. And I remember just when she said that, I just had a thousand miles stare. I was staring right through her eyes and I was immediately brought back to when we were all hand in hand in that big circle in Planned Parenthood. 
And I just remember thinking, you know, God taught me two things at that exact moment. He taught me no matter how hard the devil tries, he can't win. And he also taught me that no matter how much evil surrounds a circumstance or no matter how bad it is, good can still come from it. And I was staring at her in the face. And we came to find uh, later on from Garrett Swayze's widow, Rachel, that she had a baby boy. And uh, his middle name is Garrett in honor of uh, fallen officer Garrett Swayze. And I tell you what, it has just been so encouraging to truly see the whole community stepping up and getting involved in what we're doing and, and making this happen. But uh, as you can imagine, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, when God gives you a vision, it's going to be bigger than what you can handle. It's going to be better than anything you can imagine. And he makes it that way. So you have to, you have to rely on him. And so I knew that it was going to get big, but just the steps along the way, I tell you what, you know, we serve an amazing God, a God that has no limitations. And, uh, you know, we were talking earlier and I said, you know, God doesn't get, open the doors for Shield 616. He literally kicks them down. And it has been so awesome to see how receptive our law enforcement has been to the faith base coming and supporting them and encouraging them and being part of that community making sure that they're not only protected, but they're, they're also safe. And so uh, it has just been so rewarding uh, time and time again. You know, the Lord's hand is just so evident in everything that we're doing. And, uh, you know, our goal is obviously God's kingdom and, and all the glory to him. And uh, I tell you what, it's, it's been, it's been quite the trip, Alan, as you can imagine. Wow. I mean, it, unbelievable story. I, I remember sitting with you just a few days later when you were in that moment and you were saying, yep. we got to do something. Your ears were still ringing. Um, but I could just feel that urgency. We sat down to coffee and you said, I, it's time. And, um, and just to see what God has done, um, uh, with that urgency that he put inside of you, uh, amazing to see, um, that step of obedience and what God continues to do, uh, through that. How many vests have you guys given out to date? Uh, we're blessed. We've been able to give out, uh, over 3000 active shooter kits. We've been able to raise right around $4 million. And so, you know, for a new nonprofit, for something that has, is truly grassroots, you know, to be able to, to launch that quickly and that successfully, you know, that had God's doing behind it. You know, Jake can't take credit for that. You know, God, God's timing is perfect. And, you know, he truly prepared the hearts of the community. He prepared the cart, the hearts of the officers. And, you know, it's just been, you know, phenomenal, uh, you know, to have that. And, and, you know, it's just been a wild ride. And, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that God still has bigger things in store for us as we continue to plug along. It's incredible. I mean, there's such a huge need out there. You're literally saving lives right now. Um, so just, just real quickly, Jake, what gets you out of bed? in the morning and continuing to lead shield 616 well i tell you what you know like I, I talked a little bit earlier you know when you're seeing all this violence that law enforcement's going through across the country you know that's what keeps me up at night is you know there's still a lot of officers out there uh, even just here in colorado there's still thousands of officers out there that don't have that protection uh you know we're so thankful that all the agencies in our area, Alan, all within El Paso County, they're all fully equipped. They got that great gear. They got people loving on them and blessing them and encouraging them and, and inviting them to church and all that stuff. But I tell you what, when I see all these different situations, my heart just breaks for them because, you know, they don't have that protection. But again, I just can't help but think 
you know, when you see all that stuff going on and you're watching those videos or you're watching TV, all I see is, you know, I see an officer who's not protected, but then I just also think, you know, does that officer know the Lord? You know, that officer is running towards danger and that might be his last few steps on this earth. And I just can't help but think, do they know Jesus as their personal savior? And, you know, the, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And I tell you what, the Lord is doing mighty things in the hearts of our law enforcement. Our law enforcement is going through very hard times right now, just with everything going on around the country. And just, it just seems like the violence is becoming more and more and more and, and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I tell you what, these officers' hearts are ripe for the picking and they want that support. They want that encouragement. They want that prayer. And, you know, so that's why we're trying to move absolutely as fast as we can to, to get into all, any community that wants our help. Alan, I'm actually sitting in my truck right now up in Erie, Colorado. Um, my team is unloading the back of my truck. We're doing another vest presentation. And you know what? I wish we could do vest presentations every single day because I know at that moment, those officers, when they leave that presentation, they're better protected. But also, I'm so encouraged and I'm so excited to know that those relationships are just starting. And it's my hope that this congregation can penetrate that barrier and get to these individuals and love on them and pray for them with that goal of these officers coming back and, and, and obviously going to church and coming to know the Lord. And so, uh, you know, that's really where you know our heart is, and, and that's what wakes me up in the morning. Wow. Well, in- incredible to see. Jake, uh, your heart beats for this. I can tell that. I can't even imagine um, to to be led into the story of the spouses. I mean, as this is unfolding, it's crazy enough that both of these were in my town. I remember thinking, Jake's probably in there. I remember thinking about that as as a friend, and I I can't even imagine uh, what that's like to go into those situations each day. So thanks for letting us in into that. Obviously, in any kind of ministry, any kind of helping um, agency. Uh, where you're pouring out, there's always need. You talked about that. How do you stay healthy and avoid burnout when there's so much need and you have this burning desire to continue to get vests out there? How do you stay healthy? You know, it it can be tough because obviously you want to focus on the mission and not yourself. And sometimes you've got to have the right people say, hey, Jake, you need to take a break. Or, hey, Jake, you need to, you know, maybe go on a vacation. Or, hey, at least turn your phone off tonight, you know. And as you can imagine, you know, every community in this whole country has a police department or a sheriff department. And so obviously when you're addressing a need that almost every single one of these agencies has, it's ginormous and it becomes very overwhelming quickly. But I tell you, you know, like I said, when God gives you a vision, it's going to be much bigger than what you can handle by yourself. Uh, That's why you got to rely on God. And when you do that, uh, when you say, hey, less of me, more of you, he's going to protect that. He's going to protect you. He's not going to give you too much than what you can handle. He's not going to let you fail. Uh, you know, and sometimes it is me recognizing, hey, we are going at too fast of a pace. Uh, I just got to tell my team, hey, these next two days, we've got to stop. We have just got to stop. We've turned off your phones, be done. Um, we need a break, you know, because like you said, it is so easy, especially when you start something, you know, it, you can burn out, you know, very, very quickly. And there's been a lot of times where I've, I've felt that way. You know, you, you, you catch the cold or you get sick, you get run down and, um, you know, so for, for me, having that healthy, those healthy relationships with the team, uh, that open communication with each other, with my wife, you know, when they can start to recognize, hey, Jake, I think you're starting to get a little burnt out. 
or you're, you're obviously you're tired or run down. Or if I see that with my team, just being able to say, Hey, uh, you know, we're grateful for what you're doing, but Hey, you know, slow down, hit the brake a little bit. Uh, you know, we have to make time to focus on our families. Uh, you know, we, we were talking earlier, you know, we got three young kids and you know, they, they need daddy growing up. You know, I can't be gone all the time or I can't be checked out on my phone all the time doing stuff. And, um, you know, so it's, it's really easy to get sucked into all the stuff that the world has to offer and, and as busy as you can be running, you know, a successful nonprofit or a business. And I think early on, people have got to be able to have those systems in place or those people in place that can communicate with you, uh, you know, without the fear of, oh, what is he going to say? Or is this going to get me in trouble to, to say something? You know, you got to have that accountability and being healthy is one of them. You've got to have that healthy accountability. And, and so for me, it's just me and my team, you know, just on the way up to this presentation, we were talking about, hey, next week, we've got to take these days off. We've been running crazy. We're busy. We're all getting tired. Even though it's a weekday, we got to take these days off and just, you know, get healthy, spend some time with family. And, you know, I think another thing that is very, very critical, and this is oftentimes, you know, I'm guilty of it. And it's one of the easiest things to throw to the side, but that is to have some quiet time and to spend some time with the Lord and, and to try and listen to him. You know, when you're this busy, it is very easy to, to miss what the Lord has to say to you. You know, a lot of times he's going to whisper or it's going to be in subtle little moments or small little things. And if you're going a million miles an hour all the time, you know, we want to be going a million miles an hour. We want to be getting the stuff out. But, you know, there's times when you have to realize that and, and just be able to be still and to listen. And I tell you what, Alan, that is hard for me. That is very, very hard. And um, that is something that I got to constantly be reminded of. Well, you, you and the rest of us, man, we, everybody listening is a fellow struggler and um, feels this call. None of us want to be underwhelmed. Uh, we want to live out our yeah. capacity. And many times we find ourselves overwhelmed. So thanks for your honesty in that. Just two more quick questions. Yeah. First of all, most of us listening know someone in law enforcement. Give us just a few really practical ways we can encourage and support them. Well, obviously, when you see them, you know, you know, you, you, the smallest thing can be a big deal to that cop that day. But, you know, to anybody, you know, just acts of kindness, you know, a smile, handshake, a thank you. Uh, you know, a lot of times people buy your coffee or buy your lunch, you know, and, and to those people, it might seem like something small. But for for those in law enforcement who primarily are in a very dark world, dealing with a very dark world, you know, that small act of kindness could be the only source of light for that officer in that whole day. And so that's a big deal, you know, and I think a lot of it, you know, if you take some time out of your day to just love on them and bless them. And I usually tell people, how do you like to be blessed? What would you like to have somebody do for you? What would you like a stranger just to randomly do for you? And then I just tell them, do that for that officer or do that for your department. Uh, get involved with your department. And it doesn't have to be huge. You know, we're, we're human beings. When you take off that uniform and that ba or get behind that badge, we're the same as you. You know, we have the same concerns, the same stresses, the same likes, dislikes. And so, you know, there's just so many things that can be done. And, you know, whatever they think um, that they are capable of doing to bless an officer, do it. You know, go out there and do it. And like I said, you know, the smallest acts of kindness can be a very, very big thing, um, you know, and, and obviously what we're doing 
you know, for Shield 616, we take any donation amount. And so even if it's a grandma that can only donate $20, a lot of times they'll say, I can only give you $20. And I stop them right there and I say, there is no only when it's involving something potentially life-saving. This $10 or $20 is going to add up with a whole bunch of other people to get a kit. And for them to be able to come in and to stand with that officer at that moment, they have such pride in doing that. And so, you know, maybe they can reach out to their local law enforcement and talk to the chief and say, hey, what is some needs that you have? What are some needs that you see that could maybe be met by some, some of us, uh, community, my family, my kids, our church, our Bible study group? Uh, I guarantee you that chief will probably tell you something. And, um, you know, and I tell you what, though, when you address and meet that need, um, those officers are going to know that and they're going to see that. And they're going to gravitate towards you and they're going to know, hey, these are good people or, hey, this is a good business or this is a great church and we're grateful for them. And you can start to build that relationship. Awesome. Well, Jake, I just want to say on behalf of all of us listening, thank you. Thank you for your service um, to our communities and to God's kingdom for protecting the protectors for um taking this call of obedience so seriously. And secondly, it's incredible to see um, the growth, uh, Super Bowl commercial. I mean, just to see those those pieces of it, but I know the heart is faithfulness behind it. So Jake, just um, thanks for everything you guys do. Um, and guys listening, I just want to encourage you. It's crazy how easy it is for a church to get involved with Shield 616. To me, it's crazy how cheap it is to be able to literally put them in the ability to save their lives, be able to, to bless them this much. Um, so where do we find Shield 616 online if we want to give or participate or protect some officers in our community? Yep. So they can just go to our website. It's www.shield616.org. And on our website, they can select their local agency. So that's what makes us so successful. It's not donate and it goes somewhere else. They can request their specific local agency. Or if they, like you said, most people know an officer, they can select a specific officer and that gear would go to them. So it's very, very detailed. And uh, if they want to find pictures and stories and links, they can go to our Facebook page. Just search Shield 616, one word, and you can see all the pictures. You can see those people that are smiling and standing proudly with those officers that they just met. And we're constantly adding more pictures on there from our best presentations. And um, we would love to have the help, not only financially, but networking. You know, spread the word. Let people know. Let your local, you know, one thing that they can maybe do that are listening go talk to your local department see hey do you have this gear would this would shield 616 be a program you'd be interested in and before you know it when you rally the church or the congregation or businesses you know it usually goes pretty quick uh, you know the, 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 the community gets behind it very very quickly and it's it's very exciting especially when we got some churches involved it's you know I think it's extra special well that's incredible Jake we love what you're doing and uh, amazing to see this continue to grow. Thanks for everything. And thanks for your time today, man. It was great to catch up. It was great to hear your voice, Alan. You take care and uh, be safe out there. Wow. It was a really personal episode for me. I love our beautiful city of Colorado Springs, but I've grieved with our city. We've had major shootings here, things that have landed on the national news and Inside of that building that we talked about, I had a friend who was texting me and saying that he was stuck inside of the building next to this Planned Parenthood shooting. I knew that Jake was probably part of this and debriefing the story later on with him. This is an intense 
episode, but I think there's some great applications for us here. You can see that Jake is uniquely designed to do exactly what he's doing right now. It's one who is literally on the front lines with bullets flying past him. He is literally having the dreams of this organization birthed and saying, I need to do something about this. So with that in mind, that you're uniquely designed for something, think about these two questions. What pain point are you uniquely designed to fill? What pain point in the world are you uniquely designed to fill? And what specific action can you take? For Jake, it's been incredible to watch something that is local, go national, to watch thousands of officers now literally have life-saving and protective gear on them. It may not look like that for you, but maybe there's a small pain point that you know about, that you've experienced yourself, and that you can actually be part of the redemptive work here in the world. I'm excited to hear any applications or thoughts or comments or things that stick out about this interview with Jake and Shield 616. As always, go to our website at stayforth.com. You can see a little bit more of our content and our coaching, but we would love for you to shoot us an email. Let us know what you're getting out of this podcast. Let us know something that your team did because of something you heard here on the podcast. We don't just want to record episodes and send them out into the ether. We want this to impact lives. So as this goes through your car, through your Bluetooth, through your earbuds as you're working out, we hope that this will actually change your life, change your actions, and that somehow you'll apply something that you've heard here on this podcast. So as always, we want to remind you of this simple fact that you can live right side up in an upside down world. So we want to be an encouragement of that. We want to keep championing that message that you can live right side up in this upside down world. Guys, as always, thanks for spending your time with us. We are so grateful that you would spend some of your precious time to enjoy this podcast, to dig in with this podcast, and ultimately to grow your leadership. Keep going, guys.